It was in 1860. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was one of the most famous writers around the world. His poems had earned him millions. He was a very wealthy man, a very well-known man. He was married, had five kids, a nice home there overlooking the Charles River in Cambridge, Massachusetts. He was a professor at Harvard. He was in his early 50s and life was great. He had no idea what the future was about to hold for him. The Civil War would break out and there would be so many struggles and there would be so many people dying and he would see his country being torn apart. But in 1861, his wife was trying to light a fire and she struck a match and it caught her nightgown on fire and she died. He grieved so much for the next two years. And then on December the 1st, 1863, his son was fighting for the Union Army when he was shot by a Confederate bullet. It did not kill him, but severely wounded him. He came home and there Henry began trying to nurse him back to health. And so now struggling with a son that he was not sure whether he would live or die, struggling with the death of his wife, struggling with all the death going on around him, and that month of December, all he could think about was all of the fathers and sons who would not be home for Christmas. Some would never be home again. He had been struggling for weeks and months. And on December the 25th, 1863, on Christmas Day, when he got up, he was feeling very depressed and he began to hear the church bells ring, proclaiming the news, Christ is born. But his spirit was in a very difficult place. And Henry sat down and he wrote these words. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair... I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. There was that sense of sadness. The struggles that it was easy to see going on in the world around. All I could think about was the angels coming on that Christmas Eve night to stand up and say, Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy shall come to all the people. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And yet all he could do is look around and not see peace on earth or goodwill. But that morning as the Christmas bells played, something began to stir in Henry's heart. So much so as the days went by, he began thinking about what it meant to declare that a baby had been born in Bethlehem the expression of God's love. And so he came back later in the day and he continued to write. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. To be able to come back and make an affirmation of faith and hope, God is not dead. He doth not sleep. 
the wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It was about ten years later that a Mr. Calkins, a British musician, put music to these words, and it became the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And back then, in the 1870s, it quickly became one of the most popular Christmas carols around the world. And it still is to this day. We all listen to different artists sing it. We all hear it. It is still to this day because I believe it touches a nerve in every single one of us. Because all of us know what it means to live with an uncertain future. We all know what it means to have our pain, our grief, our loss. And to be able to understand that a baby is born in Bethlehem, God's love expressed for us. To be able to understand what it means to say that we have the assurance of hope. That God is not dead. He doth not sleep. To be able to understand there will be peace on earth and goodwill towards men. This morning I want to continue on with this sermon series. Go tell it on the mountain. It's fascinating that it was during this time period, the same exact time period as I heard the bells on Christmas Day was being written, that you also find Go Tell It on the Mountain being composed. We believe it was 150 years ago and it was composed by a slave, someone who also was finding great struggles in life, living through slavery in the 1860s. And again with an uncertainty of the future and what it would bring, and yet saying that when he heard the message that Christ is born, God's love coming into the world, it was then that he was able to write such a joyful song. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, that Jesus Christ is born. Because that changes everything. It's what we find in our scripture lesson this morning as we look at the story of Simeon. Now, if you go back and read your Bible, I know very clearly that Simeon, the story of Simeon, is a little out of chronological order, but theologically it's where I really want us to be today, and I think it's right on point. The story of Simeon takes place 40 days after Jesus is born. Eight days after Jesus is born, he is brought to the temple for circumcision. Forty days after he is born, he comes to the temple along with Mary and Joseph for Mary to be purified. And for Jesus, a male to be presented to the Lord. And a sacrifice to be made, two pigeons or two turtle doves. Now, in the temple, there was a man named Simeon. We don't know for sure a whole lot about Simeon, but most scholars seem to think that he was an older man and that he may have been the priest on duty at that time in the temple. You know that for some of the things in the temple, it would rotate that Simeon was maybe the priest on duty. What we know about Simeon was that he was a very devout man, a faithful man, a man who would believe that God was going to send his Messiah, the Christ, into the world. He had been looking for years and praying, and the Holy Spirit had said to Simeon, you will not die before you see the Christ. And so it was he was in the temple that day. I don't think a coincidence when Mary and Joseph come, bringing the baby Jesus. And when they present the child to him, it is the Holy Spirit that speaks to Simeon. His eyes are opened, and he looks at this baby and says, Now I can depart in peace, 
for my eyes have seen the salvation of your people. Christmas, the birth of a baby, the expression of God's love, creates the assurance of hope. I want us to think about that assurance of hope that comes to each of us on this Christmas. Four thoughts, three thoughts. First of all, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. If there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. If you believe there's hope, then you live this moment with a new sense of of peace, a new sense of joy. If there is no hope in the future, then you live today with a sense of sadness and a sense of despair. It is not that you are waiting for that moment in the future to finally be happy and no joy. It's because you have hope in the future, you find peace and joy in the present moment. Simeon believed he would see the Christ before he died, but it didn't mean he was waiting to see the Christ before he could know joy. No, we believe Simeon knew joy, peace, a sense of hope for all of those years of waiting. I've been telling you about Clayton Christensen, a great guy. He is a professor at the business school there at Harvard. He's written so many different books. But in his early 60s, he got cancer, the same cancer that took his father's life. And so after that experience, he wrote a book entitled, How Will You Measure Your Life? It's a good question to be asking as we get ready to go into the new year. How will you measure your life? And in it, he talks all about different things that he has learned through the years. And one of them was a lesson that he learned from his children many years ago when he was much younger. They had two children at that time who were elementary age. He and his wife had bought a new house. And he said, I I saw in the backyard there was a great place to have a, a playhouse. And he decided to build it with his children. So for the next weeks, they went to the lumber yard trying to decide what kind of lumber do we buy? What's the siding on the house? What are the shingles on the house? I mean, they scoped it all out. It took them weeks before they finally bought all the product. And then they came home and started to build it together. They built the platform. And then they built the walls and worked on the roof. And Clayton said what he would do was he would nail the nails in till they got the last little bit. And then he would let each child take turns nailing the rest of the nail in. He said it took longer that way. And sometimes we would forget whose turn is it to nail And that didn't always produce happy moments. But he said, they wanted to nail, and I let them help to saw. And together, we built this playhouse. But as we were building it, what I noticed was whenever they had friends come over, they always said, come on, come on, let me go show you what we're doing. And they shook them on progress. And whenever he got home, the first question they always asked was, do we get to work on the house tonight? He said, this went on for several months as they were building this playhouse. And then it was done. And he said, I noticed a strange thing. When the playhouse was done, they didn't go out there so much anymore. They went out there sometimes. They played with some friends, but it wasn't like before. He said, my children taught me it really is the journey and not the destination. It isn't about acquiring things or having a certain moment No, it's really all about the life that has lived up to that moment. 
It's about the journey. And being able to know peace and joy in the journey now as you work with hope in the future. Now, I know we've come to this kind of time where you and I are moving right towards Christmas and then on to New Year's. And, you know, we're working very hard to make that Christmas Eve service that special moment. I know you're working hard, probably wrapping packages at home for that special moment. At least we're still wrapping packages frantically at home. You know, you're wrapping the packages, getting ready for that moment. You'll be getting the food that is going to be ready for that perfect meal. You'll be making plans on how you're going to celebrate perfectly on New Year's. Well, that's all fine. But understand, you're going to experience Christ and the spirit of Christmas in the journey. It doesn't come when you're unwrapping the packages around the tree. It probably comes when you're wrapping the packages before. It comes when you're picking up the paper after they're opened and you think about the gifts that were given. It comes when you're cooking the cookies before the meal. It comes when you're washing the dishes and thinking of whom you've eaten with. It comes as you are planning and living and sharing through the days. Don't wait for those moments to say Christmas has come and they're going to make you happy. Understand, it's all to experience right now. For if you understand the assurance of hope that comes in the birth of a baby, then you find hope, you find peace, you find joy in the moment now, in spite of the struggles. God is not dead, nor doth He sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth and goodwill towards all men. Secondly, it was Simeon that said, was looking for the consolation of Israel. All these years looking for the consolation of Israel. Now, Simeon was hoping to see the Christ child himself. He wanted to see God's salvation for himself, but he was also looking for the good of all of Israel. Don't miss that. You and I need to hear the angels sing and say, Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will come to all the people. It is both. The good news of Christmas is for you and for all God's children. And you and I will experience hope when we share hope with all God's children. It's when you share hope, you experience hope. And I have to tell you, this Christmas has truly touched my heart. You have really helped me prepare for Christmas by all the things that I have seen throughout this month. It was about a week and a half ago. You remember we were going to have an Elsa Stemma concert. You remember Elsa Stemma is our after-school ministry where we bring elementary school children together and we begin to teach them how to play classical music. We have all kinds of students and professors from OCU who come to teach and we give them all new instruments. And many of you volunteer. You're there. We feed them. We love on them. And I told you they're going to perform out at Rose State because there's 200 of them now. 100 last year, 100 this year. So we're going to be out at Rose State. We had to have a, a venue big enough for them. And I asked you to go. I said, would you go? Because what good does it do to learn and grow and practice 
and then nobody comes to listen. Well, I got to tell you, on that day, I had a long day that day. I was at the office about 6.30. I was still working that late in the evening. And finally, I said to Marsha, we've got to go. And so we went flying out to Rose State. We got there about 10 minutes late for the concert. And when I walked in downstairs into the lobby, the usher said, uh, you got to go upstairs to the balcony. Really? Downstairs was packed. We went up into the balcony, and there must have been 50, 75 different people up there. Probably saw 25, 30 iPhones, a little glow in the dark as they're recording the concert. I mean, you could tell these parents who were so proud. And I saw some of you after the concert, and then I talked to other ones of you after the day of the concert. And I just wanted to say thank you because you went. You went. You didn't have children there. You didn't have grandchildren there. You didn't even know who they were. But you went. And because you went, you created hope in these children and these parents' lives. They're staying in school. Their grades are improving. Self-esteem changes. You blessed life. You created hope. I can't tell you what it did to my soul to have to go sit in the balcony. It was last Wednesday. I went across the street to Studio 222, our after-school ministry with Taft Middle School. And I went over there, and there were kids, and there were some of you who were there, and different staff. And, and you see these kids, and they were so proud of what they did with photography and their art. And you're listening to them talk, and you see the pride in their faces. And, you know, we've been doing studio now for more than a decade, and you know how these kids go on, and now they'll go to college. Truly, they changed their family dynamics and their world because of what you do to make it all happen. It was on this last week on Thursday that I went to a luncheon downtown. It was for an organization called uh, um, Fields and Future. It's a wonderful program where it's been started by some people who are part of this church and many people are joining in now. And, and what they're doing is they're redoing all of the athletic fields in the Oklahoma City Public Schools. And they're redoing the fields and then cleats for kids comes in and they're giving cleats and they're giving uniforms and suddenly we find kids where this has already happened now turning out for after school sports rather than going home from 3.30 to 6 and getting in trouble. We're doing that with sports just like we do it with music. And it's an amazing project, but it's through them that we're working at Rancho Village Elementary that it was this year we started at Rancho Village to start a mentoring program and a reading program and we provide supplies for every teacher and now after the first of the year they're going to help us start a soccer program fixing up a field and uniforms and cleats we expect 150 kids to participate in that 350 children at Rancho Village will receive an encouraging word and touch of love every single week. You were amazing. When I started this sermon series in the beginning of Advent, I told you about the Santa Claus. I told you about the family I happened to meet at dinner one night. And they were telling me about how 30 years ago they started and they, they decided to give gifts for children who would not receive gifts. Parents would have to be saying, you know, well, we've moved. Santa Claus doesn't know where we are this year. Well, they found out and they started. And this year they'd give more than 2,000 gifts away. 
but they do not let themselves be on the news. They will not be in the newspaper. They fly under the radar. The people who started it didn't really want themselves to be known. It's not a secret, but they just don't really want to be known. And so I, I simply told you anonymously about this mission, and I got a letter from this family. They wrote me back this week, and they said, after you told the story at your church, there were your members who hunted us down so they could be a part of this mission, this ministry, and wanted to join in in helping others. I don't know who you are, but you made me so proud. You moved my heart. When I think you cared enough to say, I want to make a difference. We're going to share hope. I came up yesterday morning. Mobile Meals was preparing the meals to go out to a hundred families. Oh my goodness. The food was amazing. There's a present wrapped for everybody, two desserts. It was incredible. I know that the dinner of love will go out on the 23rd and so many of you have made it a part of your Christmas to drive and to go out and share God's love and bring hope to the world. Now I got to tell you, I believe strongly we're supposed to make this God's house as beautiful as we can. I want the sanctuary to be as beautiful as we can. I want worship to be great. I want us to study God's word. But we never forget how important it is to look beyond these walls. For when we go out and share God's love and bring hope to the world, we also experience hope. Simeon, he wanted to see the Christ and the consolation for all of Israel. Third, it was Simeon who said, Now let your servant depart in peace. Let me depart in peace. For I, my eyes have seen the salvation that you've prepared in front of all of your people. To know peace. Simeon experienced the peace not because he was in the right place at the right time, but because he was a man who was devout in his love for God. It's not just because he was at the right time in history, it's because he was devout in his faith to God. Which I believe means to you and me is we come to Christmas. And it's not because we live at a certain time. It's when you and I prepare our hearts and our minds that we come and experience the expression of God's love that you discover the assurance of hope. The assurance of hope because life is not always easy and it can be difficult and especially at Christmas. You know, one of the things I've learned in life as you go along is that in life, you're going to lose somebody you love. Some of us learn it younger and some of us learn it later. But somehow you'll always lose somebody that you love through death. And we've all learned that death ends a life, but not a relationship. You know, it was the last Christmas was the first Christmas that I had without my mom. I had not had mom well for many years, but it was still strange the year she died. This will be the first Christmas that Marsh and I celebrate without her father, who died a month ago. I still at Christmas think about my great, great friend Scott, who died when he was 36. You know, if you love, and it doesn't take long, you lose a grandparent, you lose a parent. Heaven forbid you lose a child. 
You lose a spouse, a brother, a sister, a friend. And when you come to Christmas, it can be hard. It is a time of great joy. In a few days, I'm going to be playing with four grandkids in the snow in Colorado. There is joy. And yet there's also sorrow. Because you're separated from those that you love. But when you and I come to Christmas, what we discover is if you experience the expression of God's love and that assurance of hope, then in the midst of all the struggles and the pain, you find peace. You can have a sense of peace. And you know joy in the midst of it all. That's why tonight we're going to be having our service, the Angel of Hope worship service. We do it every year. It's because we have this angel out in our garden area. It was given to us by Richard Paul Evans. He wrote the book, um, The Christmas Box. He gave it to Oklahoma City because of all of the children who were killed in the bombing. And the Red Cross originally had it and then gave it to us to take care of because we have a garden where it can be accessed 24 hours a day, 365 days out of the year. You may remember the book if you've read it. It's a book about a a mom who lost a child, a three-year-old, and how this mother grieved the death of her child. How she would go to the cemetery and there she would weep and weep. And it was at the base, the foot of an angel, that finally she experienced God's healing grace to give her hope to go on in the midst of her grief. Well, the book became an international bestseller. So many people were reading it. And, and, and so we now build off of that as we come to our time to remember. But as Richard Paul Evans, when he wrote the book, there really wasn't an angel at the cemetery in Salt Lake City where he put the story. And so he decided to have an angel, a bronze angel cast, just like the one in the book. And we have a replica of that angel here in our garden. But when he got ready to cast this angel and he got ready to place it, they wanted to have a dedication ceremony there at the cemetery. It was in December, many years ago. And he said that night they put out word, we're going to have it. He didn't know if anyone would come, but people came by the hundreds. The hundreds. Because everybody knows what it means to lose somebody you love. And they all brought a white rose, like in the book, to lay at the foot of the angel, expressing your love. He said that night he said a prayer and then he talked about how no cemetery holds a child for God holds our children. And they talked about the gift of God's love and then they had a children's choir sing Brahms Lullaby. The beautiful music that has comforted many a child. He said the service was short but it was very special and then everybody went home. There was one lady though who was there named Joyce Williams. Joyce was from Idaho. It turned out that she had lost her son 25 years before. He was three years old. He was run over by a tractor that her husband, the boy's father, was driving. And for 25 years, he had not let her mention his name, nor did they ever talk about him. But when the book came out, they heard about it, and she started to read it, and he picked it up and read it. And soon they were both just weeping and talking. And for the first time in 25 years, he talked about the incredible guilt he felt, the great pain, the grief he had carried for all this time. And as they began to cry and to talk, the healing began. So Joyce wanted to be there that night for the dedication of the angel there in Salt Lake. 
So she drove hours to get down there and to be there. She brought 200 white roses just in case anybody else forgot everyone was going to have one. When it was over, she intended to spend the night in Salt Lake City and drive back the next day, but she had so many emotions, she decided that she'd go ahead and just drive home that night. She started off driving, and she was listening to her cassette tape player, and it was Kenny G's music called Miracles. She listened for part of the way, and then the tape player broke. She tried and tried to fix it, but could not, so she finished the rest of the hour trip two hours. She drove in silence. And that probably was good. A time to pray, a time to listen and to think. She finally got home at 2 a.m. But rather than going straight home, she went straight to the cemetery. She wanted to go to her son's grave. She said the snow had started falling. It had covered all of the ground and made the ground so beautiful. And when she got to the cemetery, she turned to her son's grave. And there she saw how the snow covered all the ground except the ground in front of her son's headstone. Snow was on every headstone except her son's. And she said she sat there looking at it, puzzled, trying to figure out what had happened, when suddenly the tape player began to play. And it was Kenny G's playing Brahms Lullaby. And she said she began to weep. Because she said, I understood it was God speaking to me in a way that I could understand. I felt God was speaking to me to say, your child is safe and warm in my arms. Your child is okay. It is at Christmas when you and I experience the expression of God's love that we also come to know the assurance of hope now and eternal. So in the midst of life with our joys and our pain, you find the strength to live in the moment, now. Not just some future day, now. You know peace and you know joy. And it says we share hope with others, then we have that hope. So in the midst of all, we too can say, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail and the right prevail with peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, that Jesus Christ is born. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer.